0: Today is July 20th. No one knew what the surface of Mars looked like up close until July 20th of 1976 when Viking 1 snapped a picture of its landing pad sitting on a vast plain of soil and rocks. Viking 1 and 2 were a pair of NASA landers and orbiters, each launched as an integrated spacecraft that separated in Mars orbit. The landers headed for the surface while the orbiters stayed behind to survey the planet from above. Prior to the landing of Viking 1, the only mission to operate from the surface was the Soviet Union's Mars 3 spacecraft which touched down in December of 1971. Contact with the lander ended for good less than two minutes after touchdown. Viking 1 and 2 provided scientists with the most complete picture of Mars to date. The orbiters had high resolution cameras that created global surface maps of the planet revealing that Mars was generally divided into two distinct regions, northern low elevation plains and southern cratered highlands. The orbiters captured stunning close-up views of volcanoes, dust storms, and canyons. The landers, meanwhile, meandered, or measured temperatures at their landing sites, which ranged from roughly negative 120 to negative 20 degrees Celsius, roughly negative 190 to negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit. They found that Mars's reddish soil was composed of iron-rich clay. They also conducted a chemical analysis of the soil to search for the presence of life. The results were ambiguous and the question of life on Mars remains unanswered to this day. Viking 1 launched on August 20th of 1975, and it arrived in Mars orbit on June 19th, 1976, and the lander touched down on July 20th. Viking 2 launched less than a month after Viking 1 on September 9th, 1975. The spacecraft arrived in orbit on August 7th of 1976, and the lander touched down on September 3rd. The Viking missions cost $1.06 billion, which, when adjusted for inflation, is roughly $7 billion in 2020 dollars. Viking remains NASA's most expensive robotic planetary science mission of all time. More than half of Viking costs, $610 million, went to the lander development, while the orbiters accounted for $217 million. Mission operators through 1982 cost $104 million dollars. Both missions lasted far beyond their planned 90-day lifetimes. The Viking 2 Orbiter mission ended July 25, 1978, while Viking 1 Orbiter lasted until August 7, 1980. Viking 2 Lander operated until April 11, 1980, and the Viking 1 Lander lasted two more years, ending on November 11, 1982. The landers contained life detection experiments designed to search for biological activity on the Martian soil. Each lander placed a scoop of Martian soil into a chamber and added some water containing nutrients and radioactive carbon. In theory, any microorganisms in the soil should metabolize, and in other words, consume, the nutrients and emit the radioactive carbon as a gas that could be detected by the lander. That's essentially what happened. The landers also performed a control version of the experiment, where the soil samples were heated to sterilize any microorganisms before the nutrient solution was added. In those experiments, the landers did not detect the radioactive carbon as would be expected. Many scientists felt the results were too good to be true considering all of the data from the mission pointed to the surface being devoid of life. Percolate, a non-living compound that is harmful to humans in high doses, was found on Martian soil by later missions to Mars and could have metabolized the nutrients in the Viking experiments. Further studies have questioned whether percolate alone can sufficiently explain the results. Both landers targeted flat, level regions of Mars in order to increase the chances of success. Viking 1 landed in an area called the Golden Plain, located in Mars' northern equatorial region, and Viking 2 landed in an area called Nowhere Land Plain, a large impact basin north of the equator. China's Zhurong rover also landed in that same area in 2021. Planetary Society co-founder Carl Sagan helped design and manage the Viking missions. He also contributed to the selection of the landing sites. A Viking 1 panorama of the Martian landscape at dusk is attributed to one of Sagan's image requests. The high dollar Viking program along with the dual Voyager probes that launched in 1977 came at a cost, stifling the development of future planetary exploration missions. Policymakers used a perceived lack of public interest in planetary exploration as an excuse to stash slash budgets. Sagan, along with NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory Director Bruce Murray, decided to build a grassroots advocacy group to prove that there was public support for planetary exploration. They teamed up with JPL engineer Louis Friedman and founded the Planetary Society on November 30th, 1979. Emil Zapotek of Czechoslovakia has won the 10,000-meter race one day after the 15th Olympic Games opened to Helsinki, Finland in 1952. The 30-year-old Czech took the lead from the start, followed in close second by Alain Moumon of France. Soon, Zatopic unleashed an extra reserve of energy, surging him ahead of the other runners, and only Moumon could keep up with him. But on the 21st lap, Mamo was... Left nearly a half lap behind as Zatopik, running with his characteristic pained facial expression and flailing arms, sped to the finish line. His winning time of 29 minutes, 17 seconds broke the Olympic record, which is set in London in 1948 by more than 40 seconds. That here, he also won the silver in the 5,000 meters. Zetopic's 10,000 meter record still stands at 29 minutes, 2 seconds, which he achieved in Finland two years ago. The Czech has set a fine pace for the Olympic Games that began smoothly with the opening ceremony yesterday. The famous Finnish runner Paavo Nurmi, known as the Flying Finn, and now 55, carried the torch in the Olympic Stadium at Helsinki to enthusiastic applause by the 70,000 spectators. Then, 67 nations' teams paraded their flags. They included several new countries, among them at least the USSR, attending the Olympics for the first time. Their athletes have been housed in separate accommodation from the rest of the hot world prompting fears that politics may sully an event that is meant to unite the world in a show of peace. Three days ago, Nationalist China announced it was withdrawing from the Games because the International Olympic Committee had decided to allow both communist and National Chinese sportsmen and the women to compete. Earlier, the IOC had voted to accept all Chinese athletes on the grounds that the Olympics should be open to all people from all over the world. Emil Zapotek was named the Czech locomotive and continued to dominate Helsinki. Within eight days he had won three golds for the ten thousand meters, the five thousand meters, and the marathon, a feat never achieved before or since in the history of the Olympic track and field. What was more remarkable was that he had never run a marathon before Helsinki and took it in an Olympic record time of two hours, twenty three minutes and three point two seconds. The crowd of nearly seventy thousand shouted Zetopic, Zetopic, when he won, and was carried off by the Jamaican relay team to his wife Dana, also an athlete who had won gold for the javelin throw a few days before. Four years later in Melbourne, he ran the marathon just six weeks after a hernia operation and finished sixth behind France's Elaine Mimoune, who finally got the gold he had been longing for. 1952 saw the USSR enter the Olympic Games for the first time. The Soviet women gymnasts won the team competition, setting a trend for the next 40 years. And finally, in July of 1969, it's a little over eight years since the flights of Gagarin and Shepard followed quickly by President Kennedy's challenge to put a man on the moon before the decade is out. It is only seven months since NASA's made a bold decision to send Apollo 8 all the way to the moon on the first manned flight of the massive Saturn V rocket. Now, on the morning of July 16th, Apollo 11 astronauts Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins sit atop another Saturn V at Launch Complex 39A at the Kennedy Space Center. The three-stage, 363-foot-tall rocket will use 7.5 million pounds of thrust to propel them into space and into history. At 9.32 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the engines fire and Apollo 11 clears the tower. About 12 minutes later the crew is in Earth orbit. After one and a half orbits Apollo 11 gets a go for what mission controllers call Translunar Injection. In other words, it's time to head for the moon. Three days later, this crew is in lunar orbit. A day after that, Armstrong and Aldrin climb into the lunar module, Eagle, and begin descent while Collins orbits in the command module, Columbia. Collins later writes that Eagle is the weirdest-looking contraption I have ever seen in the sky, but will it will prove its worth. When it comes time to set Eagle down in the Sea of Tranquility, Armstrong improvises, manually piloting the ship past an area littered with boulders. During the final, final seconds of descent, Eagle's computer is sounding alarms. It turns out to be a simple case of the computer trying to do too many things at once, but as Aldrin will later point out, unfortunately it came up when we did not want it to be trying to solve these particular problems. When the lunar module landed at 5, 4.17 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, only 30 seconds of fuel remained. Armstrong Radios, Houston, Tranquility Base here, the Eagle has landed. Mission Control erupts in celebration as the tension breaks and a controller tells the crew, you got a bunch of guys about to turn blue, we're breathing again. Armstrong will later confirm the landing was his biggest concern, saying the unknowns were rampant and there were just about a thousand things to worry about. At 10.56pm Eastern Daylight Time, Armstrong is ready to plant the first human foot on another world. With more than half a billion people watching on television, he climbs down the ladder and proclaims, that's one small step for man, One Giant Leap for Mankind. Aldrin joins him shortly in a simple but powerful description of the lunar surface, Magnificent Desolation. They explore the surface for two and a half hours, collecting samples and taking photographs. They leave behind an American flag, a patch honoring the fallen Apollo 1 crew, and a plaque on one of the eagle's legs. It reads, Here men from planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 A.D., We came in peace for all mankind. Armstrong and Aldrin blast off and dock with Collins in Columbia. Collins later says that for the first time, he really felt that we were trying to carry this thing off. The crew splashed down off Hawaii on July 24th. Kennedy's challenge had been met. Men from Earth have walked on the moon and safely returned home. In an interview years later, Armstrong praised the hundreds of thousands of people behind the project. Every guy that's setting up tests, cranking the torque wrench, and so on, is saying, man or woman, if anything goes wrong here, it's not going to be my fault. In a post-flight press conference, Armstrong called the flight the beginning of a new age while Collins talks about future journeys to Mars. Over the next three and a half years, ten astronauts will follow their footsteps. Gene Cernan, commander of the last Apollo mission, leaves the lunar surface with these words, we leave as we came and, God willing, as we shall return with peace and hope for all mankind. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics thepeoplehistory.com, Viking One Lands on Mars at planetary.org. Emile Zatopic at news.bbc.co.uk and Neil Armstrong Walks on the Moon at nasa.gov. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana created by Kevin McLeod on incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.